Hey everybody, it's Connor from the Hoopercast. Welcome to the Hoopercast Daily Show. It's Thursday. Got a follow-up for you. Kind of not really that rare, but uh, definitely something I don't do all the time. Just whenever I feel, why does this not zoom in? Come on. Uh, not something I don't do all the time, but I, I just don't make a point of doing more than one of these a week. Um, but there's no movie hour this week, so I sort of, there's a few stories I wanted to sort of dust up on uh, to, you know, turn myself up a little bit, just bring you a little bit more... Um, well, you know, bring you a little bit more film news this week. So, uh, so here I am doing that. God help me. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about a few things today. Uh, this first little bit, this is from the LA Times by Yvonne Villarreal. Villarreal. Um, but it's, uh, Pam Adlon moves on with better things and without Louis C.K. It says, Pamela Adlon's critically acclaimed comedy Better Things makes its return later this month with its third season after a year-plus hiatus, a break during which the show severed... Oh, turn the headphones down a little bit. The show severed ties with its disgraced co-creator, Louis C.K., and viewers can expect the FX show to address power abuse in Hollywood in its own way. Um, <clears throat> so, if you don't know, the, the show is based on Adlon a little bit because she stars, writes, directs the uh, series um, where she plays... Um, uh, a character named Sam Fox. She's a working actress and a single mother to three daughters, which is what Pam Adlon is in real life. Um, so Louis C.K. was a co-creator of the show, I believe. Um, well, does it say? Co- yeah, disgraced co-creator. Um, um, and after what sort of happened with him, with uh, his uh, weird sex stuff, um, I, I wondered how Pam Adlon would react to this. I didn't look too far into this news because it just seemed like a scandal was breaking every day with people lately. Um, but I knew that Pam Adlon was tight with Louis C.K., both you know personally and professionally, um, because, I mean, they played Spouses in Lucky Louie, which was a sitcom on HBO, but it was kind of cool. It was a sitcom, but it was like with adult language. It was you know interesting to hear a laugh track, but also hearing the F word. Um you know, moderately funny show, kind of a little early, kind of ahead of its time, in my opinion. That 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 sort of format, I want to come back because um, I, I I enjoyed mature content, but told like told on a set with an audience and like a like a sitcom. But so there's that, and then in her show, um, uh, uh, on well, his show, Louis Pam Adlon was uh, a recurring character in the show. Hold on, just a second. Anyway, sorry. Um, so her character was sort of a recurring character, um, in 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 his show, and um. Uh, and, you know, and before the show got too melancholy for me, I did enjoy Pam Adlon. Um, I, I like Pam Adlon. She's funny. Um, and there's an honesty to how she performs. Um, even though she's kind of lackluster in, in Bumblebee, in my opinion, as the mom, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's enough comedy to her and, uh, I haven't watched better things, so I don't, um, so I can't speak to its quality, but I can speak to Pam Adlon's, um, worth creatively. And so I, I, I imagine it's a good show. I would assume it's a good show. I hear nothing but good things about it. Um, and she's moving on without Louis C.K. I think this is the fourth season. Um, I'm sorry. The shows. I'm so sorry. Oh, 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 with its third season. Sorry. I already read all of this and I already forgot. Ah, shows you how, how well I'm doing this. Um, the new season, which premieres February 28th, arrives with a heightened level of of attention as the first without CK's presence after sexual misconduct allegations against the comedian surfaced in the fall of 2017 FX quickly moved to end its business relationship with him that included his removal from better things on which he had a notable influence by writing or co-writing nearly every episode of its first two seasons. This season Adlon had a team of four writers 
when asked how the comedy has changed in the wake of the departure of her writing and producing partner, she said, quote, well, it's different in that I didn't have him, the only person to write with. Instead of just two people concentrating, it was five of us in one direction. It was a head-cracking, amazing experience for me. I'd never been in a writer's room, let alone run a writer's room, but I loved it. Um, she didn't really talk about Louis C.K. beyond that, but she talked about an upcoming episode that will look at abusive behavior in the entertainment industry uh, with a focus on looking at how that abuse of power isn't always sexual. Her character, Sam Fox, has to contend with a difficult director. Hey, buddy. I don't scream into the mic now. Just talk normal. Okay, you know what? Let's go to break real quick. I will come right back with the rest of this story. How you feeling, kiddo? bad because um i hurt my chin on, on the side after school karen yeah it really hurt bad yeah and and i got a full of ice and then and then it still hurted so i thought it was a little more my tongue hurts too my mommy but would my mommy call who'd she call she called the doctor to ask if they needed to do anything, but they said, we just need to keep an eye on it. Okay. So, so in, the mean, the in the meantime, don't poke at it or touch it with your teeth, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. This is, what I like about this is that this is how, this is what art is supposed to do. Um, I'm not saying that outrage and justice shouldn't happen to people who've done wrong, um, but we live in a culture that is overly outraged and it sort of turns the volume down on actual um, outrage and actual justice that has to be done. So I feel like just aside from laws and arrests and evidence and all this other stuff that sort of happens, I feel like, I feel like the appropriate response with art is always to just tell this story within your narrative. We don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be doing all this, you know, I don't know how else to say it, but I just, I, I, I like that this is being incorporated into storytelling because it's a way to put your character who people are, are rooting for and have invested in through a situation that should be addressed and for your character to be the avatar for this problem. Um, and how do we solve it? Um, and how would this character handle it? Um, so I'm mostly saying this to just sort of highlight Pam Adlon. Um, while I can't personally speak to the quality of better things, um, I, I hope people watch it and, uh, and I applaud her for taking on all these huge responsibilities and the huge honor of having her own show and being able to run it the way she wants to run it and having a writer's room full of people too. I mean, it's great to write with a partner like she did with Louie, but it's equally good to write with a writer's room full of people. It just keeps, it keeps the ideas fresh and it, you know, I, I like shows having like a singular voice in a way, but, but television, I mean, television's a whole different thing and you know, while it's cool that the same guy writes all the true detectives and all that stuff, and that, that's all cool. But like, I don't know, a writer's room for like even something dramatic or comedic, um, with mature, you know, on, 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 a, on a mature level, like better things. I mean, I still, I think, I think you can keep it small enough to where you don't have to rotate like, you know, between 16 people who don't even share the vision. It's a small team of writers. what you say? Five of them? about five of them well yeah five of us in one direction so it was her and then four other people that's a perfectly decent sized writer's room that's not too many cooks in the kitchen that's 
that's that's people who all share creative direction. That's just enough people to sit around and throw ideas around. So that's a that's a gets a good size room. So good for Pam Adlon. Uh, hope good things for her show. Um, <clears throat> just an update. Um, this is this sort of falls in the category of stuff we already knew, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> Chris Pratt confirming that Disney is using James Gunn's off the chain Guardians three script. This is by Randall Colburn at AV Club. Um, He's uh, he Chris Pratt did an interview recently with MTV News, um, just confirming because before it was I think Disney was saying yeah we're using a script and then someone else was like yeah they're using the script but this is the first time I think maybe one of the stars has said that no they're definitely using the script so I'm assuming he's read it um, if he's saying it's off the chain and it's quote it's so good Pratt's Chris Pratt has read the script so I'm guessing that they have distributed the script to everybody um, to sort of get ready to do the movie um, I. They still have not announced the director or if they found a director. I know that for a while, a lot of people were talking about, oh, who should direct? And I think Edgar Wright um, and uh, God, somebody else. But Edgar Wright responded to some some regular person's tweet <laughs> about like who should direct the film. Oh, it said like, oh, Edgar Wright would be a good choice. And Edgar Wright replied and said, you know who'd be a great choice? James Gunn. And then uh, I think Taika Waititi said the same thing. Um, <clears throat> Chris Pratt said, um, I love James. I'm loyal to James. Uh, quote, he says, before quickly pivoting away from both Gunn and the inevitability of a new director and into some vague studio speak, quote, we're going to deliver the movie. We're going to give fans what they would deserve. It's in the nature of the Guardians of the Galaxy to get the job done, and that's what we're going to do. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah. Let's see. Finding a new director will no doubt be a tricky proposition for Disney. Thor Ragnarok director Taika Waititi summed up the weirdness of it all earlier this week, saying, quote, For me, those are James's films. Going into something like that with his stamp all over his films would be like going into someone's house and saying, Hey, I'm your new dad, and this is how we make peanut butter sandwiches now. It feels kind of awkward. Uh, and then they talk about how um, it looks like um, Dave Bautista, it's still you know, at least from what we can uh, uh, infer is still on the fence. He, he talked about his willingness to, to quit, you know, um, and that he would go work on James's suicide squad relaunch. Um, and honestly, like <clears throat> I don't want to watch the film. This is sort of the pain of, of keeping up with film news. I don't want to see a film where I know that one of the actors does not want to be there. Um, you know, I know that no one, wishes this happened. I know that all of them want James back and they didn't get what they wanted and I didn't get what I want and fans aren't going to get everything they wanted, which is James Gunn's script, James Gunn's direction, James Gunn's trilogy, James Gunn's film. It's his film. We're not going to get that, but at least they're using his script. At least his voice is still there. Yes, his sensibility on every other level of production, which is significant and important, it's just not possible or it's, or it's, it's not going to happen. So, you know, it was bound to happen with one of these films, director not coming back. And I'm sad that it happened to a Guardians film, you know, um, you know, but at least they're using the script. That's the least they can do. And uh, and hopefully it's good. And they don't just feel bad about it, but they're using a terrible draft of the script. I, I, I'm assuming the script is good. The script's always been good. Um, but when it comes to Dave Batista, <clears throat> honestly, I don't care if Drax is not, and is not in this next movie or if they recast. I mean, no, I, I do care if they recast him. I don't want someone else to play Drax, but 
it'd be so awkward without him there. They'd have to recast him or just write him into the story just a little bit. But Drax's whole appeal comedically is all Dave Batista. You couldn't have someone just mimic that. And you can't have someone coming in and doing a different interpretation of Drax because nobody would accept that. So Batista knows he has power. And then he knows that if they had to get rid of him, they'd have to justify it somehow through the story, which to be honest, they could do. Um, but it would be obvious, like, if he, if everyone else comes back to life at the end of Endgame and Dave Batista doesn't, they can't just say, oh, I guess Drax just didn't make it. Because they may as well just look at the camera and say, we're not bringing him back because he rocked the boat. But honestly, like, when it comes to caring about his story, I don't really care about Drax because I feel like he already had his arc. He had his arc in the first film and he got over his his wife and daughter being killed by Thanos um, and, and the Black Order. <clears throat> and not that he doesn't have more to go, and I don't know what's in this script, that would bring him to further catharsis. But in the second movie, he didn't have much to do except for um, relate to Mantis a little bit uh, and crack jokes. But he didn't really have an arc, okay? Um, so yeah, I mean, Dave Batista piecing out is not the worst thing I could think of to happen to this film. The worst thing I could think of to happen to this film has already happened. James Gunn's not directing it. So you're telling me the next thing that could happen is Dave Batista's not in it? I don't, I don't care as much. That's like... That's like shooting me in the face and then punching me in the face. It's like, oh, come on. It's, it's okay. All right, next bit of news. Little, Dustin will appreciate this. Uh, it's on Entertainment Weekly. David Boreanaz to receive first ever Maverick Award at SCAD ATV Fest. Where's Dustin this week? He's at SCAD ATV Fest. He's sort of a big deal at SCAD ATV Fest, and he's helping keep that show rolling. So if you're in the Atlanta area and you're at a, a SCAD ATV Fest... Starts tonight, by the way, going through Saturday. Um, you can thank Dustin for that. <laughs> um, <coughs> sorry. Um, the Savannah College of Art and Design announced Thursday the 49-year-old actor is the first ever recipient of the Atlanta-based television-focused festival's new Maverick Award honoring his outstanding contributions to the medium of television. Um, currently on CBS's SEAL team, Boreanaz will accept the accolade on Saturday at 6 p.m. He will join then-showrunner and executive producer John Glenn, as well as fellow cast members Max Thera, a bunch of people I don't know, um, for a discussion of a SEAL team episode, which will screen shortly after the ceremony. SCAD further announced that Entertainment Weekly, the group's debut media partner for the annual festival, will host and moderate the Wonder Women, the Wonder Women Acting for Television panel Thursday at 4 p.m., um, featuring a distinguished panel of television actors who will share their experience and expertise about all that goes into preparing for a project. Um, what else we got? Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, previously announced festival attendees include Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, star Ellie Kemper, who will receive the festival's Spotlight Award, while the cast of New Amsterdam, including Ryan Eggold, Freema Agamon, uh, Anupam Kerr, Tyler Levine, Jocko Simswell, are set up to accept the Outstanding Cast Award. Um, so, yeah, ATV, ATV Fest runs from Thursday to Saturday in Atlanta. Check out the full lineup at entertainmentweekly.com. Oh, there's an article. I don't know. Just go to Entertainment Weekly. They got the full lineup of uh, all the guests at the festival. So um, good for David Boreanaz. I like him. I liked him as um, Angel, and um, you know, in the Buffy series. I liked him as Angel on 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 the Angel series. Um, I didn't watch much of Bones. My wife did. She said it was really good on Bones. Um, I like David Boreanaz a lot. I haven't seen Seal Team, but I know that I like him. So good for him for getting this award. Good for SCAD and ATV Fest for giving him an award because um, he's just he is just one of those seminal um, actors on television. And you know, there's a lot of actors who could fit that. There's a lot of people on the sh on the on Criminal Minds who could fit that. Um, but considering the amount of long running shows he's been on in his career of television, 
He's on his fourth successful show right now. I mean, that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's been more. Dave Boreanaz is, is the real deal. Love it. Um, switching gears a little bit to cordcuttersnews.com, uh, which says, get ready for a flood of anti-cord cutting stories. So I'm guilty of reporting a couple of anti-cord cutter stories because I'm fascinated by the topic of cutting the cord. Um, uh, the cable cord, by the way, ditching cable in favor of streaming services and online, um, and broadcast television. Okay. Um, there was an article that, that I think I reported too come, that came out recently about how cord cutting is not that much uh, uh, less expensive than, than a cable subscription when you add up all the whatevers. And, um, but this is a rebuttal to that and a pretty good one. And so I must, rec- I, I have to um, argue against myself here by reading this article. It's about Luke Boma. <clears throat> um, he says, already this year, both NBC and CBS have published stories pu- pushing the idea that cord cutting costs as much as cable TV, although they didn't say it. The underlying idea was come back to cable TV. Even NPR is working on a story that asks the question, is the cost of subscription services adding up? In the last few weeks since Netflix's $2 price hike, I've heard from multiple news groups asking for interviews or comment on how cord cutting is as much as cable TV. Yet, when Comcast, Spectrum, Dish, and DirecTV all raise their rates, we hardly hear about it. This is this week we learned that for the second time in a year, Spectrum is raising their broadcast TV fee by 20%. We hardly see anything in the news about it, and no one asked whether this makes cord cutting an even bigger deal. The truth is, there is no evidence that cord cutting is ever going to cost more than cable TV. The only way cord cutting can catch up to cable TV is if cable TV stops raising their prices for a few years. Historically, there is no evidence to support the idea that cable TV will suddenly stop raising their prices. Um, even, even though study after study shows cord cutting saves money, and while millions of Americans ditched cable TV in 2018, news groups seem desperate to push the idea that cord cutting is just not worth it. Um, This is very interesting. Why, the article says, in short, it gets a ton of views because it plays on your fears. There's real fear that cable TV companies will find a way to screw cord cutters and charge them more. While there is a real fear that cable companies will find a way to raise your costs, the truth is cord cutting saves you more this this year than last. Netflix went up $2, but cable TV went up between $5 and $11 a month. Just the Spectrum Broadcast TV fee hike TV fee hike more than made up for the $2 Netflix price jump. So the next time you see a doom and gloom story about cord cutting, remember remember the evidence from the multiple studies that shows cord cutting saves you money. This is very interesting because what they're essentially saying is, if you didn't get it from all those uh, sentences I just read, what they're saying here is that, yeah, it, it makes news when streaming services raise their prices, but it barely ever makes news. You, it's just never hear about it when when uh, cable companies raise their prices. I can tell you right now, those cable companies are sneaky bitches, okay? I just got my, you know, I, I probably fell outside of the promotion window, but they'll just raise the price on your bill. And the whole point is, you know, and maybe it's legitimate. Oh, I, the promotion I was on ran out. But the thing is, they don't warn you about it and give you a chance to get ahead of it. They just go, oh, you're paying us $89 this month instead of 75. Um, why don't you call us and ask about why? And then we'll tell you and then you'll complain and then we'll try to get you on another service. Oh, can I ask you, who are you getting your um, your cables? Are you sure you don't want a DVR? Oh, it's just like, no. To get my cable back bill back down last year, I was on the phone with Comcast for three hours. I had to pick a day I was already off work to call them to spend almost half a damn work day on the phone trying to save money. 
and, and, and the cable companies, you know, cable broadband, all the inter- internet service providers, all those people, it's the same. They're going to raise the prices and they really don't want you to know about it because they know that they're on the chopping block. And the only thing that's keeping them there is when Netflix raises the prices, they go, oh, thank God, people might hang on to the box. Here, her, quick, let's push all these articles about how cutting the cord isn't really going to save you that much money because that's the only reason people don't want to, don't want cable because people want to save money. People also don't want cable because it doesn't, the programming is not that good or convenient. It just isn't. And if it was a la carte, they'd be finished. And just they, the system is set up to where they won't give it to you a la carte. They just won't. And there's services that kind of do it like Sling. And the more we see of that, the better. But the point is like, oh, they just don't want you to have only the channels you want because their whole business model would collapse. So when they raise the prices so they can rake in more money than, than Netflix, you don't hear about it. Except for now, of course. So you're welcome. Just be aware of that. Smart consumer. Be a smart consumer. Last article tonight is from lifehacker.com in case you're just tired of TV altogether. Try Reddit's best tips for reading more books. This is lengthy, so I'm not going to go through this big old article here. The article is by Nick Douglas on lifehacker.com. Um, I'm going to see how many of these I actually follow because I'm also trying to read more books, but I can only read them in the early morning. Um, so let's look at what we got here. Follow your pleasure. If you want to read more for the sake of reading, then start out with the stuff that gives you the most immediate pleasure. You have to get into the habit of reading before you can challenge yourself further. Boom. Okay. That's point number one for me. I do do this. I only read books about topics that I am that I am interested in. I don't know who reads books that they're not interested in. I think some people, probably big readers, probably just pick up new books to try them because they're just so good at reading and so efficient at reading that they just... You know, oh, here's a topic I might be interested in. I'll read about it. Or here's a new novel. Let's give it a shot. I'm not as proficient of a reader to do that. And I I don't have that sort of time to waste and invest in a book. Like, I'm not going to get halfway through a book like, this sucks. Can't believe I tried to read this. Because I just feel like it was a waste of time. So get stuff that you're actually going to be interested in getting through cover to cover. Don't get stuff that's going to be a pain in the ass to read. You'll never do it. Okay? Um... Uh, one of the re- uh, users said, read short story compilations. Like you, I can't commit to novels. Short story comps, though. I would read one story in one sitting, and before I even realize it, I've finished the book. Um, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, there's that. Carve out some time. Scheduled reading time. In crude terms, reading more books is about spending more time reading books. You need to pick up a book more often and keep reading longer. Speed reading is terrible for pleasure reading. Um, here's how to actually spend more time reading, set the goal, set a time of day to do it, set an alarm on your phone every day. When you know you'll have 15 to 20 minutes to sit and read, set a timer when you start and continue reading until the timer goes off. The timer lets you stop considering distraction. Distractions. Is it time to pick up your phone or go wash a dish? Nope. Your brain just got bored for a few seconds and it will quiet down when you renew your attention to your book. Nothing else gets done until the timer ends. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, Load up on books. When you finish a book, I, I see, I don't set aside a time. I mean, I have, I do, my time to read is in the morning, but I'm doing other stuff um, during that time. But I have a specific time where it's like, okay, I got downtime, nothing to do now but read. And that's when I get my reading done. Um, load up on books. So this is three out of three for me. When you finish a book or just get bored of it, you should have another book ready to take its place. You could stock up on cheap paperbacks, subscribe to Goodreads Sale Alert, uh, which is a website, borrow stacks at a time from the library, or grab free public domain eBooks on standard eBooks. Um, I do this. I 
I have books in the house that I want to get to anyway. So in case I just hate the book I'm reading or I finished it, but I don't have anything else lined up from the library, I do have a, a go-to novel I can go back to and start reading some more. But usually I'm, I know when I'm, when I'm about to finish the book and I go ahead and reserve the next one from the library so that on Saturday when I turn in the book I'm reading, I've got another one to pick up right away. Um, so, uh, yeah. So in case it, you know, someone else is in line to do it, then at least I have time to renew it and, uh, and get it all, uh, taken care of. Here's one big one. Replace social media quote says, um, zippity from, uh, Reddit. The thing that always helps me a lot is to take a social media break on your phone. Move your ebook app to where you used to put your social media app. Uh, now when you're waiting in line and need to kill some time, instead of popping into Reddit, you'll pop into a book. I don't read ebooks though. They say not to do that because of the blue light in the uh, your circadian rhythm. Learned that from a book I'm reading right now called Why We Sleep um, by Dr. Matthew Walker. You should check it out. It'll fuck you up and you'll sleep. Believe me, you'll sleep. That's why I don't read at night anymore because I'm tr- I'm too busy trying to get to bed. Um, uh, if you're still scrolling over to your Reddit and Twitter apps, then try deleting them all together just while you build your book habit. Remember that every story you read through will be so much more fulfilling than a bunch of bite-sized drama on Reddit. And every subject you read, a, the subject you read a book on, you'll learn so much more than looking at Wikipedia articles. Um, of course, if a book gets repetitive and you really would rather polish off a subject with one article that's not inherently bad, a lot of nonfiction books are just padded out articles, and you can find a New Yorker long read that covers all the points intelligently, but you're not allowed to read articles in your designated book time. You have to move in, in, on to another book. I support all this. Um, books are good. They do feed the mind in a way that, um, that social media definitely doesn't, and that films don't even do. Films play to your emotions a little bit. Films are more of like an amygdala thing. Like you can have an emotional catharsis and, uh, and it, you know, movies build your empathy. They do. That's their main function cognitively is they build your empathy. So that's, that's the power of film is it can sort of, it can, um, it can make you more sympathetic and more, um, more communal with other human beings, especially if you're in a theater together, but it sort of helps you see the other side, you know, see the other side of the story and build empathy and learn to understand each other and not give not be so judgmental of other people. That's the power of film. The closest thing that, that a motion picture can do for me um, cognitively to a book is a documentary because that's just straight information, but told in an entertaining and, and, and engaging way. But a book is still your brain's doing all the work. The, the, the book, the, the words are right there, but all the pictures you're thinking, all the thoughts you have when you're reading a book that your that your brain's actually cataloging and going through and logging that's all done up in your head. So whether it's a novel and you're picturing the events happening or whether it's uh, just a book of facts and you are having sort of thoughts while you read them, your brain is still more engaged when you're reading than when you're watching a documentary or when you are watching anything because you're, you're not doing any of the work. It's being shown to you. It's for your eyes, your ears, and your brain. But a book, it forces you to engage, to do the work, to think, to consider it, and you absorb the information better because you're not on a coast mode. You're on engaging in a learning mode, even if it's for a pleasure book, even if it's for um, a novel still. Okay. So get on the book train. Seriously. Watch movies too, because your brain needs that. But, but make sure whatever you're watching or reading is good, informative, and it actually feeds you to some degree. I definitely Definitely recommend getting off social media. The only reason I have Facebook on my phone is so I can link link it to this show. That is it. And I'm considering still not doing that. I am. Um, 
you know? So, yeah, good, good stuff there on that article. All right, that's it for the um, Hoopercast Daily Show. Thanks for listening. Tune in for the Movie Hour or the next Daily Show sometime in the next week. I just don't know when, so uh, just keep an eye on your podcast feed and refresh it. Maybe one day I'll be there again, man. Woo! See you later.